Hello and welcome to Angular Rocks, podcast for those who want to know more about Angular. My name is Alexey Kuncevich. Today we will discuss error handling and I want to introduce our special guest, Michael Karen. Hello, Michael. Hello, thank you for having me. Uh, Michael is a front-end developer who regularly writes about Angular. He's also involved a lot in Angular community. Michael, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, I live in Oslo, in Norway, uh, with my wife and two kids. Uh, and I work as a consultant uh, with a company called J Professionals. Uh, currently, I'm working as a front-end architect uh, to help a customer to create a new front-end solution in Angular. Uh, and I've been blogging for, I think, two or three years, and I have written uh, several art- articles with Angular in depth. And uh, I'm also an organizer with NG Vikings, uh, which is the Nordic Angular conference. So these last years, I have uh, become more and more involved in the community, which is a lot of fun. You kind of wrote your first website back in 1995, right? Oh, yes, that's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm, uh, I'm 44 years old, and uh, yeah. I started uh, coding when I was a bit younger. I, I tried a few times with like basic and stuff, but never got the hang of it. But then I went to school and uh, there, yeah, I deployed my website in 1995. It was, you know, still using these blink tags and <laughs> that kind of stuff. But yeah, but uh, yeah, I already back then I knew that, uh, yeah, I started to love web development, even if there was not much you could do back then. When you write an Angular application, at some point, how you decide when you start implement error handling? Yeah, I, I usually, that's uh, one of the first things I implement. Um, I think it's uh, so important to have, uh, know what goes wrong. So it's kind of the, one of the fundamental parts I just want to do at once. And when, I mean, if I come to a solution, uh, that I have, or to a new job, I usually ask, one of the first questions I ask, like, okay, where are the f- errors? Where can I see them? And <laughs> then I know, then I, if they don't have any error handling, then I know, okay, we have a lot of work to do here. There is two types of different errors, right? Like client side and server side, but we'll probably get later into that. What would be your recommendation for, say, junior developers, right? Is there any specific mindset for proper handling? Any ideas? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, there are many parts, probably the first thing people do is just to try catching errors everywhere. That's kind of becomes unsustainable pretty fast. Implementing some kind of, uh, global error handling is a good thing to do. Try to also track errors. I mean, people, uh, usually kind of forget about uh, tracking the errors. They, they have error handling and, okay, we log it somewhere, but uh, then they forget, like, okay, where are the logs? What are we doing? So instead, try to kind of have uh, track the errors in something like Sentry or similar, and then also try to get notifications if you get errors. Like, so, I mean, the most important part is to actually act on errors. Like, if you get an error, you need to know it right away so you can act on it. Uh, error reporting is a place uh, where you lock all your errors. It sort of system or backend. Uh, if error happened, you just send your error through API, right? So it logs yeah. there. Also, as you said, it's nice to have notification for developers, for someone who is responsible for this application. 
it could be SMS or email, right? Or something like yeah, that. Or Slack or whatever. Yeah. Or Bell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You could uh, have uh, something that shoots at the developers, but when it never happens, I guess. I remember back in the days, I mean, I also quite long into my development career. And so I have a friend, he was working at a bank, uh, was it 10 years ago or something? And so he implemented his own custom error notification. It was internal server in a, in a bank. He had to use a mobile phone, which he connect to server via USB. And so if error happened on his server, his server sent a signal to mobile phone and mobile phone send an SMS to his own personal phone. <laughs> so yes, Advanced system. Yes, it's t- 10 years ago, but these days you don't have to do it. <laughs> Everything is automated for you. Like there's different systems you can uh, use. And so, yeah, you don't have to come up with such uh, crazy solutions. No, but I mean, I see, I see these solutions still like uh, if I go to some customer and they ask, I ask, okay, where can I find the logs? They say, okay, you can you have to log into the Linux server. Okay, how do I get in there? Oh, you have to have these credentials. Oh, how do I get them? Oh, you ordered them by this <laughs> system. And then one week later, you can see the error logs. <laughs> <laughs> Having a global error handler is kind of a nice solution. And actually, Angular have something like that built in. There is a class. Yeah, it's called error handler. So you just, uh, yeah, so you can just create your own class and implement that. And then you just provide it in your uh, root module. It's a, it's, it's a pretty simple and good process, I think. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. I use it a lot. If any, any error happened in your application, this class triggers. And so, yeah, you can put your logic, how you want to handle the error inside custom global error handler. So usually in my code, I even call it global error handler. So yeah. Ah, yeah, me too. <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we have to differentiate these kinds of errors, errors of a different nature, client-side errors and server-side errors, right? Client-side errors which happen on the client and server-side errors which happen on the server. So, however, some of client error messages, they might triggered by server. So sometimes, you know, it's not quite clear <laughs> what was server error, what was client yeah, error. 501, server error. <laughs> it's a classic one, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but uh, what I mean, like, maybe there is some APIs uh, not functioning anymore, or you're requesting grown numbers of params, and server give you this weird response, right? And sometimes you have to dig through the error and trying to understand the figure out, especially if you were working on someone else's code base, or if you just joined in this new team. Yeah, I think it's a question that uh, usually turns up like, yeah, okay, where should we actually write these errors? Like, should the server-side uh, people write them, or should we just uh, <laughs> take them uh, in the front end and just write our own errors? Like, this is, a, this is a discussion I often have, like, who should actually write these errors? So how should we handle them? Should we handle them on the server side or should we just let them all the way through? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's always tricky. And I think every team is approaching this differently. The main goal here, uh, just to make sure that you handle whatever it's server side and client side. Usually I think it's happening on both sides. Uh, some errors you uh, handling on server side, which is fine. Uh, it's handled by backend developers. Uh, on client side, you need to do at least something. Once error happening, 
uh, once you like uh, try and cache it, you want to let a user to know that actually there is something wrong. And you don't want yeah. to show this weird log, right? Uh, you don't no. want user to see it. You want to show kind of an alert or notification the user would understand. Maybe it will imply something like some additional user input, press this refresh button or and come back later tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, the worst case would be to show nothing, I think, and uh -huh. it only shows in the error log if you add <laughs> them. But yeah, I, I mean, I have seen them many times, these errors, like, yeah, object is not set to object or whatever. That's not good. That's not good. So, I mean, a, a little bit better would be like, okay, an error occurred, we're sorry. But uh, yeah, it's not so helpful for the, the customer. If they get that error, they probably just go to another website. So. Maybe they would instead like say like, okay, uh, you don't have any money on your account. Please uh, go to this link and uh, transfer some money, and then you can use the service or something like that. If we if we know these things, it depends probably on UI guidelines. Different teams using different libraries, and they have different way of thinking about how they should uh, alert users. Uh, should they display notification like using, I think, was it Trello or yeah. they using this right up side of showing notifications if something goes wrong? Sometimes people who are using Google Material, the usual pattern is to show errors in the bottom left or right using these uh, yeah. material components. Yeah, I've been using these material components and uh, yeah, we usually pop it up in the, at the bottom. I think it's quite nice. You can... Uh, it kind of has a better UI to have a longer message. Mm -hmm. It's called snack bar, I think, or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, snack bars. Yeah. So I think um, it's a good uh, practice to create some kind of notification service where you have these different kind of snack bars that you can alert with. So you can, for example, have one snack bar that just uh, times out after five seconds and disappears, or you can have maybe someone that you can close in the corner with an X. So yeah. So usually when I do this uh, error handling, I create a different kind of services, like one error service where I try to parse all these error messages, one logging service where I kind of log the errors to somewhere, and then one notification service to notify the user. So it's nice to have like one one file or one place where to where you can just go when you need to change something. Sometimes you might want to do like local error handling. What I mean, maybe you want to handle yeah. some specific error in a component level, even having global error handling implemented, or maybe in a service. It's always so hard to decide how, how localized you want to have these errors. But yeah, definitely you are going to want to have some local errors. So, I mean, in that case, you cannot, if you're on a page and you catch the error on that page, then you, you know probably what went wrong. Like, ah, sorry, we couldn't uh, fetch these uh, books for you or something like that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think also this kind of error messages could be also when you update something, you, you could maybe have this UI that you actually, it looks like you're doing something. It's kind of like the optimistic way. And then if it didn't actually work, kind of cancel it out and show an error message like, sorry, we couldn't process this. Up say you have table on your page and you want to update the record you click okay for example or hit enter whatever triggers the update action so and say 
server respond with four or four, which means that you cannot proceed with this action, right? Maybe in this case, you want to handle error on a component yeah. level, but however, you may have just this advanced global error handler where you can pass additional parameters. Maybe you can even say, hey, this is component name, which error happened, this is server response, 404, for example. This yeah. is real error, and this yeah. is client error, right? Yeah, exactly. So you can kind of catch the, catch the error and then add some additional information mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. re-throw it to the global. So yeah, I think that's a, that's a good, good uh, solution. Uh, but that's what's good with the global error. Hell, you kind of always have it there. And then when you need to go and like add some info, you can just go into the component and add a little bit Yeah, more. I would actually go this way. I mean, I'm usually doing something exactly like that. Have you ever tried to error handle a sync pipe? Uh, actually, no, but I was, you know, uh, last, uh, yeah, I've been actually working with React a couple of years. And before that, we didn't use the async pipe that much. But now I have started with this new solution. And of course, we're using async pipes everywhere. So, yeah, because I, I remember using like this, uh, you usually use like this ngif observable and the async pipe. And else you have this loading template. But what happens if you have an error there? It's kind of... It will keep on loading forever, <laughs> I guess. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. So you need to have some kind of error handling there. Maybe, yeah. I guess you would, um, instead of having this uh, loading template, you have like error or loading template. And then in that template, you can have another ng if like, okay, if error, else loading. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I was my first thought, but probably you could... <laughs> have a little bit better, better solution with some wrapping or wrappers or something. Yeah. And so there is like a different uh, error tracking systems there. Uh, yeah, there was like roll bar. And last time I used was a Sentry. Uh, that was pretty good. Also, yeah, my current job, we are going to use um, uh, this uh, Azure DevOps. They have some solution for this. So. Especially now that uh, all this, um, I mean, so often you get an error and it's only in one browser. And if you have used these services, you can see like, okay, we're only getting errors in uh, Internet Explorer or mm -hmm. Firefox. And you can kind of start, start digging there. You know, it's not just a bug. It's uh, something you didn't test for. So, and you can, yeah, I think these error tracking systems have become so good these last years that uh, it's uh, really a big sin <laughs> if you're not using them. <laughs> yeah, right. So it's, you don't have to come up with such crazy solutions like having connected mobile phone to server. <laughs> yeah, don't reinvent the wheel. Just, uh, I mean, this, this is something that has been there yeah, for like yeah, 10 years, true. I think, now. So it's very, very good these days, I think. Do you find it easy to error handle RxJS? Usually what I do with RxJS is kind of do the, the retry <laughs> in the interceptor, just because you can have some flaky servers or something and you can kind of retry once or twice and it might actually work. I guess that the next step would be then to catch the error. Uh, and then maybe, I guess a little bit uh, like if you would catch it in, the, in your components, but uh, <laughs> instead you do this uh, catch error and you, can, uh, you could uh, add, some, uh, add some logic there as well or some information. Or I guess you could also just return an observable so you, you get out of the error state. 
I think, uh, yeah, this is not my strongest uh, <laughs> area of expertise. I, you know what? I think that's what I most uh, have forgotten since I worked with uh, a couple of years with React RxJS. There's it's so powerful, but there's just so much. Yeah, absolutely, it's a very powerful thing. Yeah. But it's also at the same time it's kind of a barrier uh, for uh, newcomers, uh, for people who start learning yeah. Angular, and there is no way you can. Uh, uh, use Angular without knowing at least simple basics about RegJS. Yeah. So, like, so everyone comes through this, forgetting to subscribe, writing your first HTTP call, you forget to subscribe, and then you load in the page and like, oh man, like, why is there is no data? <laughs> yeah, I, I still do that right. mistake sometimes. I'm I'm glad that we have this async oh, files man. now. Yeah. I have to remember to subscribe. <laughs> They actually solve an example of things, and so you don't have to subscribe, but also you don't have to unsubscribe, right? <laughs> Which is yeah. nice. Yeah, it kind of solves yeah. a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. yeah but with RxJS, it's kind of you can see how the community has uh, evolved. Like uh, first couple of years, there was not so much talk about RxJS. I guess people had so much time to just learn Angular mm -hmm. and TypeScript and everything. But yeah, but I mean, then suddenly people. Uh, realized how powerful <laughs> it is and all the different things yeah, you can actually yeah. do with it. So it's, uh, yeah, it's I agree. Speaking about error handling, maybe someone say, oh, I, I don't care about error handling. <laughs> what would you say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I don't want to say that on <laughs> some bad words. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I would send him on a timeout. <clears throat> Think about your what you say okay. next. <laughs> no, you no, the, no, you really cannot uh, have a, a solution without error handling. It just yeah. But I can see like it's uh, still. I mean, I have discussions with uh, backend developers. I mean, only backend, and uh, I can see that they don't understand that some. Um, I mean, what? Why should we error handle in the front end? Like, what can happen in the front end? And it's kind of like, yeah, it's hard to understand when you have not worked with it. But yeah, if you have an error in the front end, then it's kind of nobody knows about it. It's like, okay, if you have an error and nobody hears about it, is it actually an error or is it just a feature? <laughs> so it's like, yeah, if, for example, if you have a web shop and uh, the customer has an error that nobody handles, I mean, they will, if, if they can't use the web shop, they're just going to go to the next web shop, like in next 20 seconds. And, and you're just going to sit there wondering, why is nobody buying my stuff? And Yeah, like yeah. if you're building these sort of experiences, like people are people actually buying things like e-commerce. <laughs> Imagine like you click on the button yeah. and there is some error. If no one sees error, as you said, is it counted as error? No, yeah, that's pretty bad. I mean, if you're lucky, you're working on some kind of internal system that the customers actually have to use. Then, then they will probably come running to you and say, hey, why is this button not working? <laughs> you cannot uh, expect people to come and yeah, report exactly. errors for you. I mean, that seldom happens. I mean, I mean, how many people will actually report an error? It's like one in 10, one in 100? I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. You cannot rely on, on clients to report your errors. Yeah, like it's a very, very small percentage which actually come back on that, maybe like write an email or if there is a support button on your website. Yeah, I mean, I mean, customers will never be as happy like when they come and report an error and they find out, uh, yeah, yeah, we know about that. We're actually working on it and we'll just wait an hour and we'll fix it. So, I mean, 
instead of like you being totally oblivious and like, okay, and fix it in like a week or something. I mean, yeah. Or sometimes you're in a contract for maybe a few years, but you know, if you don't give the customer the trust they want, they're going to change when the contract is up. So you better be <laughs> tracking these errors and fixing them fast. Let's summarize uh, some of the points for now. First point was always to error handle, right? If you start a project, you have yes. to think about how you error handle. But unless you go live, yeah. you just think first about how you're going to handle things globally on the client side, right? That's the first thing to do. Yeah. It's important to show it to at least for the developers and the testers to show some error messages. Yeah, so give the testers some pop-ups with notifications maybe and, uh, and, and maybe some console logs for the developers. And, yeah, so maybe those are the first steps that you should And take. you might not even think as these first steps what you're going to display and how you're going to display those errors to clients. I mean, uh, just make sure uh, you troubleshoot yeah. errors and you display useful information for you and for people in your team and for testers, right? That's the first step. Yeah, exactly. You're going to have so much uh, to do when you start a new project. Uh, so just do like the basic things first. And uh, because, you know, some, some things might change during the way. And you, uh, as long as you have some uh, global error handling and you just have your logging in one place, it is very easy to just change and add some functionality there later on. So And so like next step, well, once your project and code base stabilized at the time when you're ready to deploy, then you have to make sure that at this point, you're covering two things, which is uh, error tracking. You have some sort of error tracking system. Yeah, you probably want to have also like error tracking uh, differentiated with, between testing and production. So you don't... Right, you don't want errors which happen on a testing server to appear in your production uh, error tracking database, yeah. Yeah, so and when you have, are tracking those errors, it's uh, important to have some kind of notifications so you know that when there are error hand, errors happening. So, I mean, one so, I mean, the simple solution is to someone to go into the error tracking system every day or every hour and check it, but ah, that, that's not so fun. So just have some kind, maybe some screen where you just put the notification when there are errors right, like Maybe like a de dedicated 60-inch monitor, <laughs> put it on your wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, uh, yeah, you're gonna, if you're going to get some money for a 60-inch screen, this is the time to ask for it. Like, okay, but what are you going to do with it? Uh, we are going to watch the Olympics. No, I mean, we are going to show errors. <laughs> the error screen, the dashboard for yeah. error. Yeah, it's only for errors, nothing else. I, I saw some companies actually doing exactly that. They have this big screen, like a dashboard. Uh, it might not be only about errors, like some part of the screen, like a critical errors. Yeah, also for performance and stuff like that. Uh, like have your SQL queries to see if they are taking a long time. And yeah, You can have a lot of, I mean, I've been, uh, you don't have to have 10 screens. You can just have kind of one screen that's alternating. Yeah, it's a good tips. A few companies have a budget, so <laughs> ask them for this 60-inch <laughs> monitor. Yeah, so well worth <laughs> Exactly. Money. And so at this point, once you're production ready, make sure that you're showing to your clients friendly errors, uh, not like unknown error happened. <laughs> Please try again. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. At least have, uh, you know, this basic uh, error, like something went wrong, please contact support or something. Just, I mean, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you can, of course, have a lot better, but at least have that. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So is there anything else should we mention? Um, yeah, I can't remember anything else. I, mean, I think we yeah. have covered, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, think about the customer. Think about the developers. Uh, I mean, those are the most important people. The developers need to have all these error stack traces and everything. They need to have know how the error happened and why it happened. And the customers also need to have some nice error message so that they are not discouraged of using your application again. So, yeah, it's always about the people. Keep, keep them, keep Let's them happy. make everyone happy. Let's error handle our code yeah. <laughs> properly. <laughs> okay, it seems like a time to wrap up. Michael, maybe you want to share any articles or blog posts? Yeah, so I, yeah, I've written this article on Angular in depth that's called uh, Expecting the Unexpected Best Practices of Error Handling in Angular, I think it was called. So I think I wrote it like uh, two years ago, but uh, I went and uh, read it before this show. But yeah, it seems it's actually still good. So I also have some GitHub uh, code there. So I mean, you actually have all like the basic code for starting your own error handling. So uh, yeah, it's in the article. And how people can reach you out, like on Twitter? Yeah, yeah, Twitter is probably the best. So my handle is uh, Melkor76. Melkor with the C. So, uh, yeah, I have a, uh, yeah, other, and then that I'm active at um, some Slack channels and some Discord channels. <laughs> I will put all those links into the show notes. Thank you, Michael, for being with us. My name is Alexey Konsevich, and this is Angular Rocks. Thank you for listening. Hey, Alexey here again. I'm excited to share with you that I will be soon publicly releasing my Angular learning program. I've been developing it now for some time. The program consists of a one-hour free live workshop precursor, followed by a series of interactive workshops, which will teach you how to go from zero to production, advanced Angular concepts and best practices. I'm looking forward to sharing the details with you soon. Stay tuned! In case, if you would like to be the first in the queue to get alerted about this, subscribe to my mailing list at konsevich.dev. It's spelled like K-U-N-C-E-V-I-C.dev. I put the link into the show notes. Bye for now.